What do I do with all these kids? Very, very good. Are they allowed to leave or? Well, how about we do something and talk to these little guys? You guys are incredible, aren't they great? These are our, our future. And, uh, you know, they've been talking about our vision builders as well, just like we have and getting excited about it. And do you know that when they wear these glasses, they can see the future? Did you know that? So I have a pair here and I thought I'd put it on and just have a look at what the future looks like. See, oh yes, you've all grown up. Yes, you're very old. Let me have a look out there. Oh yes, some older people out there with some fatter people. There's some... There's some people missing from this side of the or oh, Did I say that? <laughs> oh, there's a few people married. Oh, I didn't think those two would get together. That's incredible. Anyway, so you can see we're looking at the future here today. And uh, hey, if you forget anything else in terms of our vision, you won't forget that it's about these guys, isn't it? I mean, I just loved, I looked over, I saw... Um, and I won't embarrass anybody, but I saw just some of our kids this morning uh, across our auditorium worshipping and loving God. And that's what it's about. They're a part of a church where they get to come and wear stack hats and, and put on vests and wear future glasses and, and, and love where we're going as a church. So I think we should be encouraged. And what we're doing is about them as much as anything else. So put your hands together one more time for them. And uh, you guys can head on off. And you're all incredible. You really are. Where do they go now? They're going out. After and they're coming back at the end, right? Okay, very good. Great, great job. I just wear these for the rest of the... It's quite interesting looking at you all like this. Anyway. Now it's Pledge Sunday. Here we are. We've arrived. June the 1st is here. Somebody said to me, we're here. Mark said to me, we're here. It's June the 1st and it is. It's, it's Pledge Sunday and it's great to be here today. Today we're talking about um, giving. We're talking about being generous. That's what today is all about unapologetically. And I just thought about it at the start. I thought, you know, you might be here this morning and uh, thrilled to be here. You know, excited, can't wait. You're sort of like, just get the talking and the preaching, get it all done because I want to give. I had somebody actually ring me during the week and said, Carl, if you want, serious, I will run down the aisle when it's time to give because I'm that excited. And I challenged that person. I said, if you throw a few cartwheels in there as well, you can do it, to which they declined at, the, at that point. But maybe you're excited like that. Um, we're going to talk about giving today. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. It's, it's, it's a wrestle, but you're happy. Uh, maybe you're further down on that spectrum and this is still a decision yet to be made. And today I just want to talk about giving uh, from God's perspective. I was really encouraged by um, Scripture, which is a great place to be encouraged from, uh, uh, probably two months ago. And at that time I thought that's what I'm going to share on, on uh, Pledge Sunday. I'm going to talk today out of 2 Corinthians 8, uh, chapter 1. If you're taking notes, you want to open it up in your Bible uh, it's where we're going to be coming out of because, you know, we're talking about a bunch of churches, the Macedonians, that did something amazing in terms of giving. They did something incredible. And uh, before we go on, I guess I want to just bring some context to these churches, the Macedonians, because they were great at giving. Paul says uh, that they were excellent at giving. Paul says they had the grace 
of giving. And Paul tells the churches of that day, we should learn from them. So if we should learn from them, we should learn from them. And I just want to say a few things about them, though, before I go on. I want to say that they're quite similar, I think. There's a lot of similarities to me between the Macedonians and us. Um, Here's some of the things that I see similar to the Macedonian church and Catalyst Church, or, or, or us here in Ipswich. Firstly, this one, the, the churches in Macedonia are highly spoken about all throughout the Scripture. Uh, just so you know who they are, they're, they're people like, if you know your Scripture, the Bereans, uh, spoken about in Revelation, the Thessalonians, uh, the uh, Philippians. If you think about some of those books, Thess- Thessalonians and Philippians, they're, by and large, they're spoken about positively. They're known as good churches. And you know something that I have discovered as, I'm, as I travel around Australia, as I meet other pastors, I often find a really interesting thing. I mentioned, I said, where do you come from? I say, Catalyst Church. I say, I've heard about Catalyst Church. And it's a good church, Catalyst Church. And it's a great church, Catalyst Church. I sat next to, on um, Monday evening, Andy Goulet, who is the uh, creator and, uh, sorry? The Boss Frog of Red Frogs. Who's heard of Red Frogs organization before? Okay, so I sit next to Andy Goulet at this dinner and it's the same thing. He says, so where are you from? You know who I am? So Carl and, and Jess was with me. We're from Catalyst Church. He said, I've heard of Catalyst Church. It's a great church. It's an awesome church. And I said, I agree. It is a great church. And I thought to myself, I like you, Andy Goulet. You can keep on talking about us. And he did. Uh, quite, we were tra- it was like we were in a contest about who could ask more questions about each other's church or he, he runs Red Frogs. We wanted to ask about Red Frogs. You know, we're a good church. So that's one similarity between uh, us and the Macedonians. Uh, a, a few others real quick. I think we've got a map, a picture of uh, the Macedonians on, on, on a map here somewhere. If you can see that... Um, you know, Macedonia is sort of up the top there. Now, just to make the point, you know, the Macedonian area is not the center of the universe. It was, a, it was a fairly prosperous area, a bit like Australia is, but Rome would have been considered, you know, pretty important in those times, or Jerusalem was the center of the universe, and, and they're not part of that. They're a little bit further removed, and that's a little bit like us here in Ipswich. Last I looked, Ipswich is not the center of the universe. Has anybody else noticed that? I think Paul Pasali would disagree with me, but, uh, but otherwise they're a little bit out, so they get us in that context. Here's another thing, the Macedonians were started by an evangelist. Paul went out there and on a missionary journey started those churches, and uh, like us, we were started by an evangelist, Vince Esterman, uh, many years ago, and so they have in their blood this desire to see people change and be a bit innovative, to give to things that matter, to the gospel. And so today we're going to learn from the Macedonians about how they gave because they're a lot like us and we can learn some things about them. Here's one other thing, they went through some trials. You think back a few years ago, we had floods in our own city, we've gone through some things and the Macedonians went through some things just like us. So Paul says, learn from them. He's writing to the other churches in the area and I would love to think that maybe one day somebody in our modern day would say, you guys should learn from Cattle's Church. Actually, I've already had one person, a pastor from another church, has heard that we're doing a campaign to give and they've rung and wanted to know, they wanted to learn from us. So we're already in that role. So what can we learn from the Macedonians as we walk through this passage of Scripture? First of all, 
8 verse 2, out of the most severe trial, this, this is a great scripture, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That verse there must catch our attention as a church. That's got to catch our attention as a church. Out of severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Why does it catch my attention? Does anybody want to hazard a guess why, why it should catch our attention? Be honest. Anyone? Well, it, we, we have to be generous, definitely. Here's what I think, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I read that scripture over and over again and I started to say, that scripture does not make sense. If I look at, I like to think I'm not too bad with figures and numbers. If I look at where figures and numbers, where a lot comes from, a lot normally comes from a lot, right? That's just normally how it works. And so to demonstrate it today, I, I had a look at how I would think this equation should be written. I would say it gets written like this. Rich generosity, this is just the way I would see it, comes from boom times, right? Good times when things are thriving. Add to that extreme, let's say, prosperity, which comes from the boom times. Not pity, ritty. Rich generosity comes from boom times plus extreme plus prosperity, which leads to overwhelming joy, because that's where you would think overwhelming joy comes from, all leads to rich generosity. That's the equation as I would see it. I think that's the equation as most of the world would see it. Certainly if you ask Joe Hockey, our treasurer, he would say, you've got to have boom times and then we'll be rich in our generosity. But until we've got boom times, we can't be rich in our generosity. And see, I want to say something today, and this is what I love about God, this is what I love about the Scripture, because it turns our thinking upside down. God's equation, God's math looks totally different. If you look at God's equation, God's equation is simply this, rich generosity comes from severe trials plus extreme poverty, which wells up in overwhelming joy to make rich generosity. And I tell you, that's the thing about the gospel that I love. That's the thing about following God that I love, that it challenges my heart. Because I didn't expect rich generosity to flow out of those things. But when I look at God's math, God works in a totally different way. God turns our worlds upside down. He decides that generosity comes from something totally different to the place that we think it should come from. We think it's all based on our circumstances. If I flip back here, we think it's all based on the boom times and how we, well things are going. Are, are we prosperous at the moment? Because if everything's going well, then rich generosity should flow. Whereas God says, I don't want you to take one look at your circumstances because that in my kingdom the way I do math is not where rich generosity flows from. It flows from somewhere else. And again, it's got to challenge us as a church as we consider anything, but certainly as we consider the way that we give. See, this sort of thinking is kingdom sort of thinking. 
And I want us to talk today about how we give with a kingdom mindset. What do we learn from the Macedonians as we continue on here this morning? We learn three things, I think. Here's the first thing that giving what we're, is that the Macedonians gave what they were able and a little bit more we find out from Paul in the scripture here. The Macedonians gave what they were able and a little bit more. Where do I get this from? The, the next verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 3. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. See, this is how God's math starts to take effect. Simply this, it's not rocket science. The Macedonians gave what they were able and a little bit more. But there's a great power in understanding this sort of generosity. Again, it's not the circumstances, the environment, the amount and the bank balance. It isn't the fact that they do or they don't have wealthy people in the church. But instead, it happens when we give ourselves to the Lord. And this is the key. Because when we give, when we give to the Lord, when we let go of what we have, plus a little bit more, I love the way he emphasizes that, God takes it and God uses it. And this is a scripture and principle we can never miss. God takes what we have and he does a miracle work with it when we give of ourselves, when we offer it up to him. God does something incredible. You know, recently I was with Micah Kodo, who is a great young adult in our church. I don't know if Micah's, there he is, he's over here uh, in the service and I was driving uh, somewhere, I think we we're going to help somebody uh, and uh, it was a Saturday and we're driving along and Micah just, just encouraged me, he just said, Carl, I'm really excited about uh, vision builders, I'm excited about it because and I, and, I came and shared at youth, I'm, we've been talking about it and he said, I just felt impressed on my heart, the vision builders is a little bit like the loaves and the fishes and I thought, as soon as he said it, I thought, you know, you are so right, Micah and this is the principle that I want to share here today, that, that this, is, this is how God takes things. In God's kingdom, what He wants us to do is give something, to give what we have, and then He says, I can do the miracle. But I don't want you to get all stuck in your circumstances and looking at how things are. I want you to, I want you to give of what you have, and I'll do the miracle. Let's have a look at the story of the loaves and the fishes, John 6, 5 to 13. When Jesus looked up, He saw a great crowd coming towards Him, and I think He must have smiled at this point because he's, he thinks to himself, there's a lesson coming here. He says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, eight months wages would not be enough to buy bread for each one to have a bite. See, what did Philip do when he saw the need, when he saw the, the vision that Jesus had? Philip said, Jesus, do you not understand the circumstances here? Do you not understand the situation as it might stand? See, Philip is operating under our worldly equation, our world, worldly math, the worldly way of thinking. But Jesus is operating under a totally different way of thinking. He's operating under God's math. And have a look at what Jesus says. Because something beautiful happens. Because this little guy comes forward. And this little guy has five loaves and two fish. And I like to imagine maybe, uh, who knows, maybe he's from Macedonia. Maybe he's on holidays with his parents. Very unlikely, I know. But who knows, he's got generosity in his spirit. Somehow this childlike faith has got some sort of understanding that God is good, that, that I can take 
and give what I have and God will do a miracle within it. Because let's look at verse 8. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy, he's got five loaves and two fishes, but how far will he go among so many? And Jesus said, and I think he thought, great, we got it. He said, make the people sit down. And there in the grass, and they sat down, and Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. See, listen to this. This is God's math. This is God's equation. When we take what we have as a church, as small as it might be, and we give it to God, God does a miracle. That's what was necessary for that little guy to be able to come forward and say, here's what I have. I think, personally, this is my theory, he gave even beyond what he had. And here's my reason for that. Because I think the smart way just to give what you have would have been to say, I'll just take one fish and two loaves for my lunch. That'll do me. And then you can have the rest. That's what I have. But he gave beyond that. He said, I'm not even going to have lunch myself. Here's what I have plus a little bit more is the equation that God uses. God wants us to, to look wisely at what we have. I'm not talking about crazy stuff here. Wisely at what we have and then just a little bit more to be able to stretch ourselves. And I, I guess I want to say to people today, I felt impressed in my spirit, even as you're still considering, what, what can I pledge? This is a scriptural principle here. What you have, not, not outrageous, crazy sort of faith, what you have, but just take it that next step. And stretch your own spirit. And when we do that together, God says, I can use that. No matter how small it is, I can take a hold of that. I'll just sort of go script one little, one little thing. I, I was challenged on this weekend on this thought. Because I, this week I've been at a conference in Melbourne. And um, they had an offering in this conference. And on the first night I had cash in my wallet. And I, and I could give uh, to the offering. And then on the second night, they had the same offering go around. And, uh, and I thought, I've already given what I had in my wallet last night. But I just checked in my coin section. And there was, and I'll only tell you this, I would never say it to them, but there was like 30 cents in my coin section. And I folded up my wallet and put it away. And I just felt like God in that second just prompted my spirit and said, Carl, what are you speaking about on Sunday? Uh, on Sunday, you're talking about giving what you have about taking whatever you've got. Now, I know it's a, a funny sort of an example and you could, you could talk about it, but in that moment, I was just a bit embarrassed. What if somebody saw me putting 30 cents in that? What if the person next to me sees what, what I'm giving at this point? And I felt like God saying, that's not the point. The point is I do a miracle with what you give. The point is that you're taking what you have right up to the edge of what you have and putting that in that offering basket, that you're, you're giving what you have. So maybe for me, it was an act of humility in that moment. For some people here, it might not be a lot that you, can, that you can pledge on Pledge Sunday, but God says to each and every one of us, give what you have. When you do that, that's when the miracle happens. When I can do something that you can't do, that's when God gets excited about things because He can do something. I wonder what would have happened to the little guy with five loaves and two fishes didn't turn up. But one little guy had enough childlike faith to be able to say, here's what I have. And I know it doesn't make sense. I know that won't equal everything that you need. But all I know is I've got this and I want to give it to you, God, because you're good. And you know what? It's a principle in every, day's, every day of our life. 
Today we're talking about giving, but let's just take one sidestep for a moment. This is a principle for every single one of us. We walk through our whole life forever looking at ourselves and our inabilities and our inadequacies for the need that is out there. And so we do nothing with what we have. And God would just simply say to all of us, with our talents and our skills and our voices and the way we can love, I just want you to give what you've got. I just want you to give what you've got. Let me do the miracle part, but I want you to give what you've got. Stop looking at your circumstances. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your insecurities and give what you've got. This is a biblical principle. I want to just push it one little bit more. Luke 13, this is all through the scripture. Luke 13, 18 to 21. Jesus was asked, or he asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? And he says this, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. I love the way Jesus talks. What is he saying here? I imagine somebody said, what's the kingdom of heaven like? And, you know, Jesus asked the question, what's the kingdom of heaven like? I'll I'll tell you what it's like. Now, if it had been me, what's the kingdom of heaven like? The kingdom of heaven, it's massive. If you're asking me, here, let me show you what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like the universe. Have a look up at the stars and the sky and the expanse that's out there. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Or if it was modern day, the kingdom of heaven is like an army. It's like the U.S. army. It's massive. It's powerful. The kingdom of heaven is like the breadth of Australia. But look at what Jesus does. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's small, but it can be something big when it's used. The kingdom of heaven, in in the light of what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is about potential. The kingdom of heaven is is what happens when good people gather together and give just of what they've got. Ordinary people giving of what they've got, that's the kingdom of heaven. If Jesus had been talking about the kingdom of heaven when he talked loaves and fishes, he would have said, see, let me show you the kingdom of heaven. It's this little guy here. That little guy, five loaves and two fishes, that's the kingdom of heaven. And I think Jesus will say today, the kingdom of heaven is us catalysts as we give. That's... That's the kingdom of heaven. Now, you think about that little parable again of the seed. The parable of the seed tells me that we've got to do something with it again. This is the principle that's always in the scripture. It is small and it stays small if it stays in your hand. Nothing can happen with it then. God can't use what we don't give to him. But as we plant that seed, as we say, God, this is what I've got and I'm going to plant it for you, God says, great. I'll do the miracle work that you can't do because that part belongs to me. See, this is my math. This is my equation, not your equation. The message of Jesus here is use what you have. Give what you have and I'll do the miracle. I love God's maths. What else do we learn from the Macedonians? Just just two other quick things that they gave together is my second thought as I read through this scripture. Let's look at the next verse, 8, 3 to 4. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Oh, don't you love their heart there, the heart of the Macedonians? They didn't even want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on giving, on the chance to give. I just love their heart, their willingness to give. And I'm going to skip fast over that point. 
But beyond this, it wasn't as individuals. I see no talk of individuals here. Paul doesn't highlight one or two of them. And he does in other scriptures and other references. He, he talks about the fact that there's wealthy people in that church or this church. But the Macedonians, he just says they. He continually uses this word they. They urgently pleaded. Not a couple of them, but they pleaded to be a part of something great. Because they could see that their little seed could grow into something massive. That the kingdom of heaven could grow. They could see that their seed was about potential. That what they were doing was about a bigger story than themselves. Let's look at verse 2 again. It says that their overflowing joy and even their extreme poverty was what happened. When they joined together, it welled up in rich generosity. You know, that word welled up caught in my spirit. The word welled up means to abound. If you look at it in the Greek, it actually goes beyond that. It means to super abound. So when we give like this as a church, something happens. It wells up into rich generosity. It super abounds. It doesn't just reach the level. It goes above and beyond because we're, we're doing this together in a cool little link. I found that the same word was in uh, Luke's gospel as he talks about the loaves and the fishes. In verse 13, it says this, that at the end of it all, they had uh, stacks of bread and uh, fish left over is the word. You know, it's the same word in the Greek as the word welled up. In other words, there's, a, there's an abundance. Catalyst, as we give today, as we do it together, there can be an abundance flowing up because we're doing something as a team. We're welling up in rich generosity. And I love the thought that we can surprise guys like Rick Painter and say, Rick, you know, we've got the, we've got the ability to bless you there in Papua New Guinea because we've got too much. It's overwhelming us in generosity. We're excited about what, what's been given to us and to be able to give to Empire and Cap Money and Vital and some of these other ministries. It excites me for us to be able to go above and beyond because things are welling up within us. And God then says, I'm going to superabound it because I can see that there's people that are willing to use what they've got and use it in a mighty way. Be challenged by what God can do as we join together. You know, I love that, you know, we're, our, our hope is that we lift our rate to 150 pledge cards. That means nearly, sort of like double the amount of people saying, hey, I'm involved, in some way I'm involved, I'm going to pledge. And I, and I know that in any church, there's a wide range of those that can give. Some have the gift of giving, some have the finances and the resources to be able to give. And then on the spectrum, you might say, well, they're the important ones. Well, they play a part and God bless those people. But, you know, I've said it before, we win the battle when we do this together as a church, when we well up in generosity together. Don't you think for a minute, don't, has anyone ever prayed this? I, I've prayed this. God, just, couldn't you just send somebody to this church that will just solve our problems in a minute? Couldn't you just fix it all in an instant? Couldn't Bill Gates move to Ipswich, for instance? It's possible, isn't it? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Haven't you heard that scripture before? Well, give me one of your cows, God, you know, and I'll sell it, or maybe a thousand of them, and I'll sell them. But God wants us to be involved. God wants us as a people. He wants the they to become established in us. 
He wants a sense of unity in this church as we give together. And when we do that, it wells up. It superabounds. It goes above and beyond. And as I end, I want to end with this thought. And I think it's uh, maybe the most important. Caught me by surprise. I know it caught Paul by surprise. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And they did not do as we expected. You pause there, you think, oh, they didn't give. Was there a problem? Was there anger? Was it, what's the problem? They didn't do as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. I love that language here. They didn't do what we expected. We didn't expect this, Paul says. I did not expect what they did, but he's excited about what they did. See, we have a chance as we give to go beyond the financial. Paul was basically saying here, I thought we were just doing an offering. I thought we were just trying to help out churches that needed help. I just was excited about money. This was what it was all about. But they went beyond just it being about a financial pledge. And he says, they gave themselves to the Lord. First of all, they understood what matters most. And that is to give themselves to our Lord Jesus. The one who gave himself to us. The one who gives us his life. Who gives us everything. It was their great privilege to not just give money or not just to give them to themselves to other people, but to give themselves to the Lord. As we're giving today, Catalyst, we've got to understand what the most important priority is and that first of all, we deal with our hearts. You know, we've said time and time again as we are on this giving journey, and I know it's been a challenge and a stretch and I know people have grown. You will ask some questions about yourself and your faith in this season. You'll ask questions like, do I trust God? Do I trust Him with my finances? Do I believe in Him this much? Will I give Him my money? Who owns my money? Is this all God? You'll go through these sorts of questions, but the most important question of them all is, will I surrender myself to Him? Well, the Macedonians, they'd worked out what matters most that God desires our all today, that God wasn't just interested in an offering, but God wants them to surrender themselves, to surrender their lives, to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it excited Paul. Hosea 6.6, God says this, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. God is saying there, the end of the day, guys, it's not just about what you're going to offer me, but I want your heart, I want your all. In case you think, oh, well, that's Old Testament. He says the same thing in Matthew. He says to the people of that day, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Referring straight back there to Hosea. The end of the day, God wants our hearts. He wants everything. He wants all of who we are. Let your pledge today be more than just a financial pledge. In fact, I'll go this far and say this today. If you're here and it's like, oh, get this guilt thing done. Get it over and done with. I just want to give my finances. But then I'm done and dusted for three years. Great. We don't have to, have to examine any of this ever again. For three years, we can just have a break. If, if your whole attitude is just about finances, then I'd say this, don't give. Don't give. Because God is looking for hearts here this morning. God wants us to go above and beyond just a pledge. And God wants us to give of ourselves. God wants what matters most. He wants all of us. He wants us to surrender 
our hearts here this morning. And when we do that, see, I think this is the key to the overwhelming joy. Because how is it possible here? Severe trials, extreme poverty, that is not what I'm told where joy comes from. But the Macedonians, we see this little key in the middle here that they surrender themselves. They give themselves to God. And next thing they have, overwhelming joy, which wells up into rich generosity. Suddenly it's a privilege to give to God. That's why they urgently pleaded, because they understood they were surrendered to a living God. And again, beyond giving, out of this service, God will might ask you, I want you to show love to a neighbor. And, and your thought is, yes, because I'm surrendered to you. I want you to serve, yes. I want you to share faith. Yes, God, I'll do that out of a joy that's in my heart because I'm surrendered to you, my Lord Jesus Christ, my most high God. This is why Paul says, I want you to excel in the grace of giving because this stuff matters to our whole life. Verse 7, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in your love, excel in that grace of giving how did they give they gave above and beyond they gave what they had and a bit more they did they gave by giving together and they gave of themselves and when they did that it was a joy to give catalyst today you know we can see miracles happen as we give together as we generously love God in this way God can take what we give and do incredible miracles with what he's going to do this whole deal was kicked off with nehemiah talking and we talked about restoring the wall i just love the fact that this church can be a church that says the church the local church in the world has got to be more than just a place where people gather that the local church can be restored to what god wants it to be a powerful force on this earth a force that sees us sending people out loving people reaching into the lives of people blessing people loving them as they come in touching the lives of little children in Papua new guinea giving to pastors that are sacrificing their lives in india that's what the church can be and god says as we give what we have we can do a miracle and we can do incredible things that last not only for now but last for the rest of eternity and it'd be great if we became known as one of those churches they're not going to rewrite scripture of course but wouldn't it be great if it was known in australia be like that church in ipswich who excel in the grace of giving let's pray together heavenly father i just land in my heart on that last point there god that we would be uh, people that father just give of ourselves above and beyond a pledge card above and beyond any sense of guilt or obligation, God, that we would have a willingness to give, God, because you have gone before us, God, because it's our privilege to surrender ourselves to you. And Father, of course, we pray for your blessing. We pray for you, God, to do the miracle, Lord. For Lord, for our giving to well up in rich generosity, God. And as we give, God, we just pray that our purposes the things that we have in our hearts that we believe you've put there would come to fruition as your word tells us to pray god we pray for great fruit because of the way that we give and give generously and we thank you for the way you challenge our heart in that mighty name of jesus we pray amen
Amen. Well, what we're going to do now is on your seats, you do have your pledge cards. You obviously may have already filled that out. Um, you can fill it out. There should be pencils scattered all around the place and pens, so please grab a hold of that. The band is going to sing just uh, an item for us. And as you're ready, don't wait too long because the song doesn't go that long, all right? But as you're ready, just come forward and uh, just place your, your pledge in the, the box here at the front and uh, we'll celebrate, of course, together what God is doing uh, in us as a church. It's a great day for Catalyst Church.